This podcast is produced by Unedited. You know, I could go and give my 20, whatever age I was, 26-year-old self, my knowledge from my 38-year-old self, but then I wouldn't be where I I am now had I not have made those mistakes, you know. Would I go back and say, don't go so wild at the free bars all the time? No, I wouldn't, because it was fun. It was fun. Actually, my advice, I often say to younger people, don't be in a rush to try and have all the answers. Hello and welcome to episode 144 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. And having been through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I decided to create a platform to help inspire you to live with more clarity and happiness by challenging the way you think, to open up your mind and inviting you to live in the moment. And on this week's episode, I am joined by Clemmy Telford, who is the host of the Honestly podcast, a creative strategist and a creator of the mother of all lists. And funnily enough, me and Clemmy both used to work together in advertising back in the day, which seems like <laughs> such a long time ago now. But it was great when I kind of discovered what Clemmy was up to and all of the amazing work that she's doing in the world of mental health and well-being. So I just knew that we had to connect for this conversation. And during this chat, we spoke about home parenting, flipping the gender roles in our house, why she's giving up drinking, dealing with negative comments online and you can even listen out to some bonus chat at the end which happened off mic once we'd finished recording it was just so good that I kind of had to leave it in there really and you know the aim of this podcast is to inspire so if you like what you hear in this episode and something has touched you then be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love but right now let's jump straight in and hear from Clemmy. How are you anyway just in general all good? All right I think think I've had the old coronavirus. Oh no. Mm. Oh no. How it comes? Well, well I mean, I'm, I, if, if I was to put money on it, I'd be like 85, 90% sure. I'm on day nine, but had oh, no. basically pretty textbook symptoms. Oh no. And how, what have you been feeling then? Because I, I didn't know this. I thought it just... No. Uh, last weekend, so not the one just gone, the one before, I had a sore throat kind of all weekend, but we were being manic and like rearranging our house to try and work out how to deal with quarantine and so I assumed it was dust and then at the beginning of that week I was like my chest was tight but I didn't know whether I was just super anxious as so many of us are and I, yeah at that point I was obsessed obsessively worried about getting it and then one of my friends who I've been with 10 days before had gone really quiet on all group whatsapp so i was like laura what's going on and she said i think i've got it i was like oh no i think i've got it too and at that point she was laid up in bed and within 24 hours my temperature spiked and spent 48 hours sweating a lot and like this mad mad thirst i drank like two and a half pints of water overnight oh wow which is mad and then the real thing where i'm like okay this must be it is that i have got really limited um taste and smell oh no which which is meant to be like a key symptom and that's, i know we all know what that's like from having a blocked up nose but my nose the whole time was completely clear mm. so it's the most weird thing so you're like started testing i was like chewing a lime couldn't taste anything sticking my nose in all sorts of stuff um so i think that's it and then now my i'm on like day nine and just exhausted and my chest hurts oh so i was gonna ask about the chest because no 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 cough yeah because i've heard reports of um like when you breathe it feels like you've got glass like in your chest like restricting you kind of thing yeah, I can just, I was trying to explain it this morning. I can just feel the outline of my lungs, which is the really weird, yeah. <laughs> weird thing. But, I mean, it's it's so contextual, isn't it? Because everyone's like, oh, how are you feeling? And I feel okay, but that's because the comparison of what it could have been mm. is terrible. But if this was a normal illness and you're like, I'm day nine and still not right, you'd be like, I've had been really poorly. But... Um, to be honest, it's been really grim, mm. but it's it's almost better than the anxiety that I had about getting it. Yeah, well, I was going to ask because does it kind of like bring into context um, 
I guess, you know, there's a lot of worry about, you know, spreading it, catching it. And there's a lot of talk about people having only mild symptoms and people carrying it without realizing. And obviously people who, who end up having more severe and fatal symptoms in the end. But does it bring into perspective a bit like how easy it is to kind of catch or become infected without even realizing it? Yeah, because I mean, this was what I was trying to explain. I think I know when, when, because there's three of us who had had dinner in a bigger group, but the three of us who had been together, who all, who kind of went on a similar time. And that is the weird thing. There is no slap in the face moment. It's not like food poisoning or norovirus or something where you're like, oh, yeah. You know, I, I was exercising pretty hard up until two days before I went down with it. Oh, wow. So it, it's, yeah, it's bizarre. And now I'm in this bizarre thing where I can, I, I'm arguably immune or hope possibly, and yeah. I can probably go out, but I feel really weird about that. Yeah. So then do, do, do you know how, like, is there like a worry then of like spreading it amongst the household? Have you like quarantined yourself within the uh, house lot, as well? Lots of people have asked that. And like when I was really, really, like rough I was in a, a different bedroom and staying away from the kids but, but to be honest by the time I got it we'd been quarantining for five days I mean yeah they, they're everywhere and yeah and then a couple of people have said to me so my youngest daughter's had an upset stomach and then all three of them have had a cold like a, a quite extreme cold and that that actually that could have been them having it because kids aren't really getting affected by it yeah that that, that i mean yeah who knows but no i haven't because there's only so much you can do yeah yeah and i think it's like you know while there isn't a kind of you know a cure or like a jab or any like an immunity that they can you know give to people i think it's you just kind of have to almost ride it out especially if you only got you know what seems to be quite mild yeah. symptoms you know which is i guess you know, a lot of advice that you hear from the doctors and don't get me wrong i'm not a medical expert in any way <laughs> but like a lot of the advice you hear from doctors is like if it's if it's feeling like mild symptoms it's like it will be it'll be a, a tough ride for a few days but you will ride it out but if they get you know worse and a lot worse then go and seek yeah check in with your doctor there's nothing there's no harm in keep checking in with your doctor and going like I, I really need don't feel well like don't feel like just go once and and no. that's it like if you're feeling worse keep keep going back and if they feel like you're you're in a position where the symptoms are worse then you know they'll, they'll send you to where you can get you yeah. know more serious help you know but it's about having a bit of faith in your body as well that's what I just kept on having to check in it's like yeah. I do feel all right I do and yeah and yeah, I, I, I am fortunate enough to have no under, oh, have a bit of asthma, but nothing serious. Um, yeah, to be well and to trust that. And so, and I think I've, I've been torn on social media about how much to talk about it, which I haven't done much, but I think that uh, there isn't a lot of conversation around these, the loads and loads and loads of us are going to get it mildly. Yeah. And, and I remember when I was in my like peak anxiety panic, the only stories I was reading was about the fatal versions, which is obviously tragic, but it is really important to balance that with some much more average stories. Yeah, of course. And I think, I think that's kind of what the message that I, I feel like I've been getting is like that, but obviously they have to cover in a certain extent that, you know, the fatalities and the, you know, the unfortunate, you know, real dark end of it rather than trying to warn people, don't worry if you just get mild symptoms to be okay, because we need to, we need to make sure we're doing our part, right? We need to make mm. sure we're taking care. If, if people think, oh, if I get it, I'm just going to get mild symptoms. Then, then I guess, work. exactly. Yeah. Then the whole quarantine, the isolation, it won't work. So there needs to be a little bit of like, actually, this is really serious. And, you know, you see the, 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 the death toll is unfortunately rising quite highly every day at the min as of recording anyway it's you know I think yesterday it was like 500 plus yeah. deaths just in the UK and it's like that's really scary it's like it sh we should be taking it really seriously yeah. you know and I 100%. think I think like this week probably even towards the end of last week I think you could see a lot of people started to rein it in a little bit in terms of like just generally being out and about and yeah. everywhere seems a lot quieter doesn't it it's like a yeah. weird horror movie where everything's just well, i don't know i haven't left the house for <laughs> 10 days so i like yeah. no, <laughs> I, I, the thing is i only go I, i've only been taking a dog for a walk like once a day but like where where my house is 
there's usually like planes fly, flying over by we're on not like a main road but we're on like a, a connecting road so there's normally yeah. quite a lot of traffic it's all very quiet like you you barely hear a plane you barely you see yeah, the odd car unfortunately where i live which is in southeast london the only thing you hear is ambulances which yeah. is like pretty dark <laughs> oh yeah great but you have to try not to zone in on that too much yeah and how, how have you been adapting um otherwise with like having the kids at home and what's it been like trying to kind of keep them <laughs> in check and get them schooled well, you know and all what? Of that? i was talking to a friend this morning kids are remarkable honestly i feel you'd have t- told me well ordinarily we're subscribed to the thing of we can't keep them in the house after like 10 30 in the morning at the weekend because they climb the walls yeah but they they have just accepted this new normal so yeah. fast and i'm talking to a lot of my friends who are parents they're the kids are really happy they're really really happy because i guess they're getting loads getting loads of access to their parents mm. they might not they're not being those like day-to-day stresses of get out the door get to school get this done get that done you know in terms of parents being quite occupied with all the our other commitments all of that is gone and it's quite fascinating to see that they are yeah they are my boys who ordinarily fight quite a lot are getting on like a house on fire and i'm not expecting that to last for the rest of the quarantine but it is interesting to watch yeah and do they have they got like um an understanding of what's going on because i've got like a couple of uh like young cousins who are i think one's one's like seven one's three and one's literally like just turned one Mm -hmm. and i I think you know sort of seen them before we kind of went into full-on lockdown and i think the schools had just been closed and i don't I, i got a sense they didn't really grasp like you know the magnitude of the situation or fully understand it so where are your kids at do they kind of understand that there's this virus or they just yeah, they, like they talk about the virus um they talk about the virus but they beyond that no they they kind of understand yeah no they don't and i think that's the best way mm. at this point especially because whilst they're at home they're pretty safe although not if i've had it but you know what i mean there's there's actually no point exposing them to anything more than that but kids don't you know for all the rest of us we're trying to manage the fact that all these expectations of the next six months have gone out the window they they don't think like that anyhow they're so literal that i think that really helps them they're just very very short term yeah and i think that's like that's one of the the things that i try and always get across really with like the podcast and the kind of message i always try and get out and you know just recently changed the name of the podcast to in the moment because i feel like we need people to sort of tap into that and i always use kids as an example because like kids are so day-to-day moment to moment they don't ever think like oh my god like what am I going to be doing next week? It's like, I'm hungry. I want food now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be doing my homework. I want to be, you know, it's so like focused. Yeah. It's like I feel there's a lot of learning that we can do in, in almost tapping back into our childness or childlike behaviors, you know, in, in bringing ourselves like into those moments of just being truly present and just letting everything else be as it is, you know, and yeah. it's like, and I think, unfortunately, you know, with the, you know, the, the magnitude of what's happening, but the, the learnings of that is maybe some of that of like stepping out and being more present and being more, you know, doing the things that we're doing rather than kind of worrying about everything else. And I know yeah. there's a lot of stress in the world with like people, you know, not being out of work and not being able to pay bills and rent and, you know, the, the sickness and the deaths and, and there's a lot of stuff, but ultimately I think like we're being forced into a corner where we have to just look at our day to day and go, okay, this is what we're going to do today. This is how we're going to focus. This is how we're going to center ourselves. What's going on out in the world. We can't control most of it. So let's do our part and do what we can do. And I think mm. we forget that normally, you know, in like in normal day to day life. Yeah. And there's such a thing that it is forcing us to deal with it ourselves. You know, I'm really watching that thing where to cope with things, I reach out to people or I, do various things but because everybody is going through this and of course I'm still connected to people but we've all really really got to look within ourselves to to navigate this haven't we there is yeah. no there's I don't know there's no quick fix yeah and what have, we, what have you been doing then or what do you usually do like day to day to kind of like center yourself and kind of bring yourself more like present and more just you know focus and and let let the 
the feelings sort of go and flow through you? Well, there's a couple of things which is it's kind of brought back up. So I gave up drinking 11 months ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, which is big. And uh, what, what was the reason for that? Yeah, I was just going to touch <laughs> on that. What was the reason? Actually, the way I talk about it or think about it is um, often we drink kind of for to, to, to ease social anxiety, for want of a better expression. And that is fine. But for me, it was coming back with terrible hangovers, not puking hangovers, terrible, terrible self-loathing and questioning everything I'd ever said ever. And the balance has shifted so that it mm. just wasn't worth, I'd have, you know, if I'd been on a massive night and I felt rough, then I kind of expected it. But I got to the point that I'd have one or two drinks and I'd the self-loathing would be extreme. So I just thought I'd try what it was like to not drink and the journey. Do you drink? Um, not really. Like, I, I try not to, but um, I was away in January and February traveling for two months. So I was pretty much like not not drinking heavy, but like social yeah. drinking, you know, like a couple yeah. of beers here and there. But I try. I really try not to, which is why I'm really fascinated by this because I've tried so many times to just go teetotal and go, right, no more. But I also like... I'm not, I'm not someone who goes and hangs out in pubs and bars generally. So I'm not really in drinking environments. Like every now and then I might go for a dinner with my friends or well, not, not so much anymore, but like, you know, go for <laughs> dinner with your, Yeah. Once upon a time uh, and have, you know, have like a casual beer, but that's, that's it. I'm not like a yeah. drinker, you know? It's fun, interesting, isn't it? So yeah, I dipped my toe into not drinking and by going, cause I was the same, by the time I stopped drinking, I wasn't actually drinking very much, but I think by for me going the the extreme with zero is kind of unlocked this this superpower next level. Mm. I just couldn't believe the impact on leveling my social my um, anxiety. So it didn't, you know, before if I was having these mini peaks and troughs, even if it was once a month, that still throws you off. And for me, the things that keep me the most sane are exercise, sleep, and um, eating well. And even if I had a couple of drinks, all of those things are are wobbled and therefore add up to something bigger. Um, so yeah, not drinking made me sleep better. It made my energy better. And it you just start really, this to answer your question, it makes you really sit with the reasons why you do reach for a drink, which was like feeling a bit stressed on a Friday night, have a drink, going to a work thing, have not back a glass of Prosecco, not not because I couldn't cope without it, but it, it, you do just get in those habits mm. of just, oh yeah, just a bit of Dutch courage. And, and having to sit with all the uncomfortable feelings without having that crutch has been really interesting. And yeah, 11 months down the line when this, this happened, the lockdown happens, it's the first time I've been like, oh, it's going to be really easy to have a drink. But I do know that if I started having a drink now, you know, to get you through this bit, then then you're back in picking up those habits of dealing with difficult situations by self-soothing. Yeah, of course. And I feel like I've I've seen like a lot of people who I know they they've lost the option now to go out to the pubs and to go out drinking generally. You know, most weekends or even in the evenings during the week, and it's kind of like they're sort of sat at home wondering like, oh, what is it okay to like have a drink just by myself at home? Like, can I? Is this a thing? And I feel, I feel like, again, it's kind of helping us see the kind of clarity in like our habits, mm, good or bad, you know, not, not necessarily just picking on drinking, but like everything, like no. dietary habits, exercise habits, you know, what are we doing to keep our mental health in check? What are we doing to keep our household kind of a nice environment? And it's kind of helping us reflect on all of that. And I yeah. feel like for me, the drinking thing, like this is great because I came away from, like I said, traveling, I was pretty much having like a casual drink every day. And then I was kind of like, yeah, I, do, I kind of don't want to drink. Like, I just, I'm just, I get sick of it after a while. Like after mm -hmm. like a couple of days or like, you know, having like a few beers here and there, I just get sick of it. I'm just like, I don't, I'm just holding this beer and I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, well, it's, just, it. it's just there. That's, that's my biggest question. You know, I definitely, I'm not trying to convert everyone to stopping drinking because I've, I really have had great times drinking. I like booze. But I think we what we can all do is check ourselves as why we're drinking. So mm -hmm. something I've said to um, people before that if 
again, especially as a parent, you, you post bedtime and you come down, you've got this clenched jaw. You're like, right, I'm going to have a drink. I've challenged them to just put it off for an hour, yeah. put it off for an hour and just see actually maybe in an hour you might not, you might not feel like you want it or need it. And that, that's it. It's just, it's just being mindful, isn't it, about uh, why you're choosing to drink. And there's absolutely nothing wrong if it's the right choice for you yeah, and you feel course. good about it. But for every drink that you're having just to get yourself in the mood or just to yeah. wind down or, that, yeah. Or just to pass the time at home, you know, yeah. if you're having dinner, just to have like a bottle of wine because between you yeah. and your partner or whatever, just because, you know, that's... Yeah, then, then it's um, not so good. And then your other question... Your, Going back to your question, my my since not drinking, I've become one of those people who I didn't used to trust. Who, who I'm obs- I'm obsessed with exercise. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who are these fitness people and why are they into it? I'm like, oh, I get it. And the, and I again, something I talk about a lot is that there is a massive shift for me, and that I used to think working out was just about trying to get into a pair of jeans, and now I completely moved away from that. The oh, the single reason why I exercise is for my head. Yeah. Um, single reason and of course it's great to get stronger and fitter and faster of course but um it's such a massive shift when if you're doing it as a favor to yourself it it stops being an obligation and starts being you know the best the best part of my week but the i was been reading the advice this week and they say you can't partake in any exercise for 10 days after you're clear of all symptoms oh, no. so i'm now cracking up because i can't exercise but yeah. Then again, it shines a light on that for me. And, you know, of course, like exercise is a very healthy habit to have, but it can't always be my coping mechanism. Yeah, exactly. And I feel, I feel I completely agree. Like when I started fully getting into like gym and exercise and was like, I think maybe three, four years ago now, and straight away, I noticed like the, the mental clarity I had straight after a session in the gym, I'd walk out the doors and it's yeah. like, I'd feel like, yeah, I'd feel like the clarity, but then within like 10 minutes, like it'd be back to like, like inside the head, you know, (laughs) but I do, I do feel like that those, even just like, I used to go in the mornings before work at like 7am religiously, like three, four times a week. And just the clarity and the benefits are, like you said, it's not just the physical benefits, right? It's, it's the, it's the, the, the flow of energy that, that passes through your body helps create that kind of cleanse you know, internally, mentally, physically, everything. And it's so great for you. And it's like, one of the other things that I'm really into is meditation. And I do like a morning meditation every day. I've started doing like an Instagram live one at 10 o'clock every day for people who want to join and have that guided meditation as part of their morning. And it's a really great way to just, again, step into the moment. Because that's what I feel like exercise is doing, right? Is you're, Yeah, yeah, when putting you're in, you in your body. Yeah, because when you're in the gym, it's like, you're so focused on whatever exercise or whatever class or whatever it is that you're doing that everything else is just gone and you're just Mm -hmm. so in that zone, which is why I use that thing of like when I stepped out the gym after like 10 minutes, like everything would come rushing back again because I'd stepped away from it all. And I feel like for me, like meditation I find is really great for that. I don't know if you've ever tried meditation. Oh, you know what? Everybody tells me I need to meditate. I know I need to meditate. I know I need to meditate. And I'm not just, it's not just a cop out, but I was laughing because you're doing your meditation at 10. I've got three kids by 10. It's like literally halfway through the day. And the way, you know, I don't even get to wake up naturally. I'm woken up every, every morning so it's hard I do this isn't the same but I have got one hard and fast rule in that my phone doesn't come into my bedroom so Mm. at least I do wake up albeit with a child's foot in my face I do wake up and I don't go straight into the world I do kind of wake up in that way and similarly when I go to bed you know I will lie in bed and actually just think rather than scroll put the phone down go to sleep so that's something but it's not meditation I know I need to meditate yeah. No, I need to meditate. <laughs> Give it a go. Like there's even if like um you know, while the kids are having their lunch or something, if yeah. you, you know, you get your partner to look after the kids for ten minutes while you sneak off into the other room and yeah. you know, Do just it's not is or even but when the kids go to bed at night, just find that ten minutes before you go to sleep. It's so it's for me it's it's been one of the biggest biggest um changes to my life really, like for for many, many reasons. And it's just I recommend it to everyone, but like, if you find the time to do it you, and give it a go, it's really, it's really beneficial. Yeah, Much like, okay. like you were saying, you know, 
I used mm. to think like, who are these people? You know, why? Are they- yeah, I know. <laughs> For all people that I really, really value their opinions and I really yeah. like value their journey they've been on in self development. Or go, yeah. oh, you meditate, don't you? Like, yeah. Oh, I know. Okay, yeah. well, this this could be my coronavirus goals, can't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and what um, one of the things I'm interested is like having having the kids at home, and like obviously over the years you've had to kind of balance. I know you've you've probably done a lot of work from home, but you know we so I guess like maybe what we 2020 maybe seven years ago we worked together for like I think it was probably like six months seven months before you went off and had your first kid I think it was yeah or maybe it was even a year I'm not even sure like it was not a long time you know in in the grand scheme of things basically so I hadn't really kind of we hadn't really connected since then or seen each other or you know whatever and I remember kind of about a year ago, I was doing some research or I was having a conversation with someone and your name came up about, you know, all this work you were doing and like wellness and mental health. And I was like, that can't be the same. Is that the same claim you told me? I was like, that's what I thought she was like an advertising person and like in this, this creative director and whatever. And so I started researching. I was like, oh, it is Clemmie. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. So I've kind of like kept up to date with what you've been up to and yeah. Obviously, I know you've got the kids and you've done a lot of work from home. So what was it, what, the reason I've summed all that up is because what I'm interested in is that is there or is, is even this situation making you notice any sacrifices that you've made as a parent in terms of like balancing your own personal life with like parenting? So I don't know if it's relevant to the question, but we are quite unusual in that um 18 months ago we made the decision that my husband would become a stay-at-home dad oh sick and i and i am the i am the only like i'm yeah full-time working mum so that has been a long journey to get to that oh here come my children i'm just gonna shut my door um (laughs) uh, yeah so that has been a huge like life decision on our part and on the one hand it shouldn't be a massively brave decision but it is a really big decision it's mm. he's very very much in the minority in doing that role um and so w- when we get to this moment that we're in now in some ways we're quite blessed in that he is doing the he is doing the majority of the childcare now and that isn't a massive shift for us because that mm. is lots of parents will be trying to really figure out very new ways of working and although, of course, we've never had three kids at the ha- in, stuck in the house all day, he is used to doing that. And the boundary being that I work, um, and, and that's what I'm. Do- that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, but that is that for me. It's bringing up quite a lot of old stuff in that because I've been fed the idea that women should be the main childcare provider when they are now very very vocal about the fact why am I not working why am I not downstairs with them why am I working why am I not downstairs with them it is bringing all that back up and Mm. you you have to really really focus in on this is the right decision that we've made I am not letting them down by not being there in fact one day they'll understand that the reason I'm not downstairs is because I'm trying to earn money to pay the bills um but that is yeah it's that's quite interesting yeah what's that what was that balance like then with your partner and having that conversation because I know from a guy's point of view you know it's not uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for it's not it's not like the done thing for the guy no. to be you know traditionally and you know it's completely wrong don't get me don't get me wrong with what i'm yeah. saying like I, I i don't agree with this at all but like, it's always been the guys like the breadwinner you know the the strong yeah. one the one who who holds the house together with earning money and paying the bills and all of that so what was the conversation like between you and your partner was it like a kind of we're almost there anyway or was it like did, was there some um, convincing involved? How did that go? So it's it very gradual in that it, after my first two kids, I went, I was still in advertising. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I still haven't accepted that that isn't what I do. But yeah, yeah. I was still <laughs> advertising. I was doing like, tried to do four day weeks, five, five days, one from home, all the combinations. And I thought it was working out for us and it wasn't for various reasons, mainly because my pay wasn't reflecting what I should have been earning. And then by the time I had my third child, I had built up my Instagram. And so as I went into maternity leave, we did shared parental leave. So he came off and it, it really came down to 
the sums, my earning potential was greater than his. Mm. And I was at a point in my career where I really, if I poured enough into it, it, it had the potential to fly. And so it, it, it just kind of, it was a logical thing. And the reality of trying to cover three kids childcare in London, which is insanely expensive. I mean, I'm talking, there's a nursery near us, which is 90 pounds a day per child. Jeez. You do, you do the maths on that. Um, he wouldn't have been bringing home any, he, he, his salary would have covered it. I can't or some of them are at school, so it wouldn't have worked out that much, but you know what I mean? He would have, yeah. we would have broken even with him working and therefore you're like, okay, is it worth both of us working, not having someone present for the kids and not being better off financially? So it, yeah, it came down to the, the money, but it is remarkable when we said he was going to not go back to work. People are shocked. Whereas if you heard of a mum of three deciding to do, do look after the kids full time rather than going back to work, I don't think that would be a notable thing. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, what it was... It was a um, seemingly controversial thing, but I love it because how how lucky are my kids that they've had they have had one very present parent. Um, yet the gender roles are completely flipped. I'm going to be really interested to see how that how that plays out for them. Yeah, so I think it'd be really interesting as well because, like yeah. I say, it's not it's not a, a normal in inverted commas situation, you know, no. in terms of what society expects. So I think even from a kid's point of view you know, talking with other kids and their friends, like them talking about, oh, mummy's at home, yeah. mummy this, mummy that, mummy that. With them, it's going to be daddy's Daddy. at home. That You know, so it's a, it's almost for them, it, will they get to a stage where they'll start to, it almost comes down to the same thing with like um, uh, kids who have uh, same-sex parents, you know, like it's mummy and mummy, daddy and daddy instead of mummy and daddy. So it's like, will they get to a point where they start to, think about it more and quit yeah. not, not question it because that sounds yeah, like a bad thing but you know what i mean like yeah. almost try and process it for themselves yeah. like oh why yeah. is why is yeah. the situation we have daddy at home and my friends all have mummy or you know yeah. it's, quite, it's quite interesting to see how they'll develop you know their own thinking about it you know yeah it's going to be it's going to be really fascinating um yeah is it also interesting to acknowledge that he goes to play groups with my youngest daughter and it is really hard and like i'm not it's something that women have to deal with in the workplace all the time, but it, he has had to go through all that process of being the only guy in the room and mm. how women aren't They yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't talk to him. And then one play group he goes to, there's one other guy there and that guy is really into football. Now my husband <laughs> likes football, but doesn't like football that much, but he's felt obliged to like, go with some football chat and just to have a conversation with someone. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's always, when you, when you said there's one other guy, I was straight away, I thought they're definitely having a football chat at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think like, all right, we're going to do this. But, you know, he's glad of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know really what he's talking about. Yeah, so that's quite interesting then that like a lot of the other, the mums kind of, no, I wouldn't say maybe distance themselves is probably the no, best way to but, put it. But. Yeah, it's just an interesting um interesting observation i suppose yeah yeah it's, it's really interesting is it tell me then about you mentioned like building up your your side of things like the your instagram and then obviously you started your kind of blog slash website um what what made you start kind of that journey of documenting like your i guess it was like your home life and your parenting right what made you want to kind of showcase that to um, people who were following you so in some ways, I feel really fortunate in that I started with the blog and Instagram five years ago. And at the time, blogging was established, but Instagram was really quite new. So I didn't ever go into it thinking I was going into it to do anything. You know, yeah. I, it, my purpose was literally to save myself. I'd had two kids quite quickly. Uh, at that point, there weren't people talking about parenting in the way that we are now in this very honest open way and I, I was just trying to comprehend it it was therapy really yeah. and I found quite quickly that the more honest I was online the more people were honest with me and that was became yeah a, a form of therapy and then you know I can't claim completely innocent because I was as you know in advertising so as it began to get traction 
you know, I got my first influencer brief when I got 500 followers and it replicated a creative brief. In fact, it was from a well-known ad agency. And when I say it replicated, it was exactly the same as the creative brief. And I had to turn it around in about a week. There was no client feedback, you know, got paid quickly. And so the ad creative in me was like, this is a dream situ. There I was Mm. at work doing rounds and rounds of feedback and yeah, taking, doing six months of development and then the ad gets canned. I was getting an ad out in a week and I couldn't, couldn't believe it. So there was, there was part of me that was enjoying that. And you know, obviously hashtag ads come with a load of people who find them controversial, but as someone who has written ads for a living my whole life, I've made peace with that quite a long time ago. And also it's my skill. It's like, that's what I hope I'm good at. Um, and then here we are five years later and how do I feel about it? It is an incredible job in that it's given me access to stuff that I would never have dreamed of, but it is a job. It is a job and it is, I've not after any sympathy, but it involves an awful lot of yourself. You have to put a lot of yourself in order to gain traction. There is no quick wins. You know, people say, how do you, how do you succeed on social? You succeed on social by chipping away at it. Yeah. It's like it's anything, long. isn't it? It's like anything. Yeah, it's like you it's can't work. you can't step into a gym and do two sessions and expect <laughs> to come out with like you know no. what you're seeking. <laughs> you know you have to you have to work towards it. I guess it's it's yeah. the same with anything. You know? Yeah, it be is. It that be it honing parenting skills, be it you know trying to find more happiness or whatever it is. Everything you know you have to chip work. away. At it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's interesting because like there's there's an element of like putting yourself out there like you said in, in the terms of you know your your whole thing is that you try to be as honest as possible and you know you try to show you know what your life's like as well as it being work so like how do you manage the kind of balance inside your head of like this is me doing me but I'm also having to work at the same time is there like a internal conflict that is a real a real shift actually that I've had to work really really hard on and actually, the, at, at its most pokey and most negative is when it comes to trolling, and in particular those mm. those trolling sites. When you have to go, what they're criticising. Like I am totally authentic online, but it is still an online version of me. And so, when people are ripping you apart, they are ripping apart what they believe to be you, which is you. But you have to. I have to. I've had to try and find a way for my own sense of self and sanity to go, but they don't know you that, mm. you know, they are not, they are not you. And that's quite, it's a very difficult shift when you want to give a very, very yeah real version of yourself, but also put boundaries up to protect your mental health. Mm. So what, what tips and advice have you got then for anyone who, cause it's a big thing anyway, whether you've got, you know, the amount of followers you've got, or you've got millions of followers or you've only got 500 people or 300 people that follow you, like, you know, trolling and negative comments is a real thing that a lot of people have to kind of deal with and it's hard. Right. So what are the tips and advice that you would give to anyone who's kind of going through that to kind of help deal with the situation? You've got to try and create some distance from it. I mean, and I I do not practice what I preach. But if someone if someone goes for you, my advice is to try and come from a place of empathy. So with my audience particularly, I am they're predominantly parents and predominantly parents of young children. So I have to try and remember that people are at a very challenging point of their lives. They are hormonal. They're tired. You know, they're stretched. And then similarly, on a bigger scale. Um, everybody, and I mean everybody, is in a in a challenging place. So when someone is trolling you, I have you have to try and remember that there is a person who might be going through whatever. That said, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to do that. If for me, it's luck of the draw. If I'm feeling good in myself, then I find it very easy to create distance, to come mm. a step away, to think. Um, but sometimes they get you. Sometimes they trigger you, and yeah, I will reply and that isn't always good. But all you can do, all you can do is know yourself and know your motivation and know why you're doing things. Yeah. And therefore, if someone 
questioned you and you know that your intentions are good then then you're you're safe but you've got to yeah that's i think a lot of the the part of the trolling culture has come around because people can see that people are being inauthentic that people's motivation on there isn't good and that is where the disconnect has come which can be hard if you're someone who's trying to use it for good to feel like you're caught up in that that um marred with the same brush but as long as you know yourself you should be all right yeah and i think it is it's down it's down to the authenticity of what you're trying to say and how how well you know yourself right because like even with me the other day i had someone comment on a post that i'd or i think it was a post or a video or something that i'd i'd put i'd posted up on my instagram and what once i kind of i didn't i don't ever like you know push back and be like what are you talking about i always try and understand the angle that they're coming from and what i found was that in the end we were both well ended up being three of us in the in the in the comments all three of us were making the exact same point we were just articulating it in a different way Mm. and i think that the danger can be sometimes that you know in a picture or a bit of writing or a post it's very hard to fully articulate what you're trying to get across unless you're you know an extremely good copywriter you know it's it's quite hard to fully get it across because you can't see or feel the emotion that is being said with you can't sense what that person's fully trying to say unless the wording is 100 percent correct so and i think that's where there is that disconnect sometimes is people mm. take things on board in their own way through their own mm. lens through their own feelings on the text that they've seen you write or the picture mm. that they've seen you post and they they're not they're not almost seeing it through the person no. who's written its lens and feelings and thoughts so and often i find that a lot of the time you if you do not i guess challenge someone in in a positive way you're not trying to just be like oh what are you talking about mate mm. just like oh can you explain more i always find that the person always ends up trying to understand what you've said or how you've explained something or they'll try and explain themselves a bit more and you kind of get to a place of like okay cool i, I see what you mean like that's cool yeah. they, they'll they'll agree or not fully agree but they'll be like okay i get what you mean now yeah you know and i feel like it's just but an it's, interesting place yeah it is and i think yeah that again is where some of the trolling cultures come from certainly in my thing is that this automatic block mentality which i really really try not to do i don't block people i am genuinely open to conversation it's just very hard if that conversation yeah the tone of voice is lost but yeah we it, we, we shouldn't be in this automatic shutdown culture for sure yeah exactly and, and why do you think as well like do we like you know you'll you might you might have say a hundred comments on one of your posts right and 98 of them are going to be like oh my god this is so true like i love it oh, oh yeah this is so relatable but then there'll be those two comments that are like slightly more negative why do you think we hook onto those ones so actually i've just been reading a book about this it's called this too shall pass which is a therapist talking about people's journeys of adversity and the reason is that she calls those comments like velcro and that is because we are programmed for survival we need to learn where the dangers are in order to progress so we need to learn that we don't go down that path or we and that is where it comes from but man it is unbelievable like as you say i i get a lot of engagement and so many amazing lovely supportive people but i could name the really pokey negative stuff and it just stays with you man yeah it is man i think yeah it is human nature and i think that's just the survival thing's a really great way to look at it because i i remember a story that i heard it's like one of those short like fables where it's like you know there was two humans back in the day and like one was called tom one was called tim or something <laughs> and they're kind of like cavemen and they're living you know their day-to-day life and one tom's just sitting on a rock kind of just chilling being present taking everything in and tim's like oh my god we need to move like there's a tiger coming like we have to get away from here like he's going to kill us he's going to eat us so tim runs off into the hills tom just sits there and enjoys the moment and ends up getting attacked by the tiger in the uh unfortunately ends up not surviving so we're we're as humans we're evolving with the mindset of tim because tim's the person who's surviving out of the survival mindset because he's like oh my god we need to get to the higher ground we need to we need to survive we need to do this so we're always kind of the second there is a slight negative we go into that fight or flight mode of like okay do do i run do i escape or do i stand up and like you know almost prove my worth or like show what Mm. i'm here for kind of thing 
Mm. I think it's really in, it's so interesting when you start to look into and think about those kind of things. It's like, you know, again, it takes us away from what we were saying earlier about being present. It's like we can't yeah. because we're always looking out for yeah. the survival. Like, oh yeah, but I need to. <laughs> you're always on yeah. our toes and being shifty. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's interesting and you have to work hard at it it all takes work and i guess with the negative comments i have to also check myself if i do reply and it does get pokey to then move on from it like i could beat myself up for the fact that i haven't always conducted myself in the kind of perfect zen way that i'd like to but we're just people we're trying our best and it's not to let yourself off the hook because we do have to be accountable, but also trying to move on from things. I used to be really, really bad at just obsessing and like chewing things over and over and over my head, which I guess is what meditation will teach me even more. But you've just got to, you've got to, you've just got to move on sometimes and just put it down to a learning. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that's been really great for me in the last, I guess, year or so, maybe even two years is like, I've started to read and try to understand more about different kind of philosophies and even religions and different, just different understandings of the world. Because if you look in the East, like their understanding of the world and the oneness and being connected to energy and everything is totally different to like some of the things that we kind of lean more towards in the West. So I try to always, I guess, like build up a picture of like a sense of everything and take, you know, from it what I need. And one of the things that I've really understood in the last year or two is that like our thoughts basically just, they happen like we can't we can't stop our mind from thinking because that's just the way our mind works right it generates a thought and the thought will come with like a feeling attached to it and that feeling might be a good feeling or it might be a bad feeling but whichever one it is that's how we experience that moment we experience it through the feeling which comes through the through the thinking but mm-hmm. what we what we tend to do is we tend to hook ourselves onto the to the feeling and then start to create more thoughts around that feeling so particularly with a bad feeling right we'll we'll feel something bad and then straight away we'll go into that survival mode of looking at the negatives and start spiraling down that route of negative after negative after negative and overthinking and creating more thoughts and more thinking but actually if we step away from that and allow ourselves to just as you were saying just allow and process things and let things come and go all that's going to happen is the next thought is going to come up behind it and that thought might come with a good feeling or a bad feeling and if we let the next one come it just it's like a process of thinking that we don't, we don't have to get engaged in, you know, it's no, just the way our body works. Thing, like the first time I ever read that thing that thoughts aren't facts and you're yeah, like, exactly. and your thoughts can lie to you. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Everything I ever knew has just been like myth busted, but it's true. It's true. You've got to, um, yeah, it's, it's not hanging on to stuff mm. for too long. It's also like everything, everything you, you thought you knew and everything you think you know is all thoughts anyway. It's like, it's not. No, don't. Go deep now. my brain explain. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like, you know, we, we, only, we only really live in what we're sharing now, which is, you know, this conversation. This is the only thing we're experiencing. Like everything else is just a thought beyond that, you know? And I think once, once I've sort of kind of grasped that a little bit and start to understand it more, it makes more sense in terms of like how we live our lives, you know? And it, it brings us back to that, you know, meditation and, you know, centering yourself. It's like, it's so important to try and understand that because that is how we live. And it's like, that's like now the whole world is sharing this moment, right. Of like what is going on. You yeah. Know? We're all sharing this moment. We're all in the same thing. We all have the same fears. We'll have the same anxieties. We're all worried about the same thing. We're mm, all trying to protect bad. ourselves in the same way. And that's how life is. We all experience this moment at the same time you know, in different ways, but we experience it at the same time. And I think, you know, we're kind of, hopefully, you know, we might get a bit of that back, you know, with what's happening because we're all, you know, literally, we're not just sitting around talking about Brexit anymore. We're talking about, oh, you know, this is a global thing. This isn't just centered around one area of the world. This is a real global situation mm. now. And we're kind of all experiencing it. And I think that there's something really powerful in it as, as you know, and as we've touched on, as sad as and as bad as it, it, it can and has been. Like we're we're all experiencing it together, and I think there's a there's something in that that's quite interesting, you know. And I'm not quite sure what <laughs> what exactly it is, no, but no. there's an interesting thing in it. Oh, 100. percent It's it's yeah. um like this collective shift is going to be. I hope it's going to be really like positive. I hope that come August we don't all fall back into the same habits. We can't. We it will shift us all a little bit for sure. Yeah. What do you think then are the biggest learnings that we we're all going to or maybe should take from this? 
Um, I I can only probably speak for myself, but I'm really wrangling my natural instinct to fill the gaps, to cope with something by doing all the stuff. Because actually the weird thing is this has opened up windows of time when you might commute or when you might be going out or when I used to be going to the gym. There are, there is space now, there is time. And yeah, my natural instinct is to fill it and to try and not fill it is going to be quite the challenge. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think for me, I was having this conversation with a friend uh, just yesterday, actually. And I was saying how like the whole slowing down process like my friend that I was talking to she's always someone who's like super busy and she's always working on a project and she's always like you know doing stuff and keeping her life full and she we were even talking about you know there's been times where she she has said to her mum oh like I meant to call you back but I didn't have time but it's like mm. we always have time it's just what we fill the time with and I think what we're learning and what I'm learning is this slowing down process of exactly what you were just saying stepping out and going actually do you know what it's fine if I only spend three or four hours today doing work and I yeah. find time to do something else like some yoga or some I'm exercise or playing or playing with the kids or yeah, yeah reading a book or cleaning the kitchen or you know mm. finally emptying out the loft or you know whatever <laughs> it is you know that sort of stuff it's that it's fine to be able to do that and I think hopefully you know a lot of people are feeling that too and that the, the the learning is it is fine to slow down sometimes. We don't have to live mm. at this crazy pace all the time, yeah. trying to keep up with everyone and everything. It's like, you can do things at your own time and, you know, life will still happen around us and go on, you know. Mm. And we'll probably feel better for it, right? Exactly. You know, we, we've all uh, been used to valuing ourselves based on productivity and it's going to be yeah. the opposite. Well, that's it. That's it. I think we're questioning actually if I'm not valuing my time on productivity, what am I valuing my time on? Being, being zen, right? Moments of calm, not losing my yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's a really, and I always like just, every day I'll have something like that that I'll think about and just, just like almost ponder on it for the day of like, actually, you know, what is, you know, what is productivity? Is productivity getting as much done as possible or is productivity actually doing the things that are right for me with the time I have, you know? And it's, I think it's good to kind of have moments to, to self-reflect. Um, on which note, talking of self-reflection, yeah, one of my favorite questions. If, if, if we could go back in time and we could speak to a younger version of Clemmy, so like Clemmy, mm, mm, let's yeah. pick a time. So maybe like before you started working, before you got into advertising. Yeah. What three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from that moment? It's really hard because I, you know, I could go and give my, my 20, whatever age I was, 26 year old self, my knowledge from my 38 year old self, but then I wouldn't be where I, was, I am now if had I not have made those mistakes, you know, would I go back and say, don't go so wild at the free bars all the time <laughs> no I wouldn't because it was fun it was fun I actually my advice I often say to kind of people yeah younger people don't don't be in a rush to try and have all the answers I've I think that I was too hard on myself in trying to like I didn't go traveling in um after college because I wanted to go straight into work and I yeah pull back sometimes on some of the some of the freedom and the fun that is that happens when you're younger because I thought I had to kind of buckle down and being an adult catches up on you one way or another so I think that like a misspent youth is not actually a misspent youth go yeah. and go and do it I always say like, go and have all the sex we're always educated that you should because you mustn't sleep around especially as a girl I can have the sex have the sex yeah. like do it safe and don't hurt anyone but yeah. um why not you know life is for living so yeah actually i'd say go on girl go and have all the fun yeah nice i think that's true and it's also like just trust that it's all gonna figure itself out you know you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't have planned to be doing what you're doing now when you were no. stuck in those in those creative briefs and advertising <laughs> but you know well, here you are <laughs> here i am and yeah who knows again i guess it's something i worked at facebook after ad agencies and um 
before doing this as my full-time job and that really made me it's kind of interesting to work in an environment where there wasn't the old school like there hadn't been a version of what it should be and get really comfortable with the fact that that there is no finite answers like de when I was working there people always like oh what do Facebook think about this what do Facebook think about that they don't know they know a little bit but nobody knows like mm. I don't people someone once said to me shouldn't you be doing a career that will see you into old age it's like what there are very few a very few jobs that do do that and no because I don't know what my 40, 50, 60, 70 year old self is going to be into. So how can that be the answer? All I can do is try and live in a way that feels like fulfilling, which is a luxury in itself um, and hopefully pays the bills. Yeah. And also there's that, I guess that sense of freedom as well in terms of being able to do the things that you want to do. Right. And not if you're, if you're just in one career, you know, for your whole life, it's like the world isn't really set up like that anymore. You know, the, no. the world and life is dynamic and it's, you know, we're seeing that now we're, and it keeps coming back to the same point. I know, but like we're seeing it now, like everyone's having to be more dynamic and work in different ways, act in different ways, live in different ways. And it's like, none of us could have planned this six months ago, but here we are. And it's like, we have to have surviving. to move with that. Exactly. We're surviving. And it's like, we're, we're surviving, but we're also living in a sense of that, cyclical um thing of life of just like it, we're, we're we're just going with it you know there's nothing we can do no. other than what we're doing so we have to we have to adapt to it and i think that's one of the things that you know i really learned from life is like you know when i was doing full-time social media work or working in advertising or doing events or you know running my own club nights i thought that was going to be my thing i thought yeah, that was my career my but Cracked you know here we, you know here we are we're like <laughs> we move we 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 become dynamic to what what we're living right and i think mm. that's one of the biggest learnings for me mm. um so yeah i got i got one final question for you clemmy before we before we go and i let you get on with the rest of your day mm -hmm. what does happiness mean to you i mean happiness means freedom at the moment for sure but we haven't got that um but is freedom a destination or is it a way of living? Well, exactly. That is what we're all learning now, right? It's not being able to get on a, on a train, in a car, on a plane, is it? It's, yeah, living in a way that is authentic, I suppose, and peaceful. Mm. So that, yeah. Oh, this is a really random way to end, but I'm going to end it on this I, there's a place near me in camberwell where they do these wraps and it's run by a buddhist and um the service is so slow i can't even articulate how slow it is and i once went in there for lunch and just i think my phone might have been out of battery or was dying and i had to basically sit there and wait and it took you know you have in your mind how long it is where the food's going to come and then it was a bit longer and it was even longer than that and I was so agitated and I just watched this guy cooking so slowly and I just thought this is everything that's wrong with me really that I had this expectation of what when it should be and that it should be something else and I just remember looking at him and thinking god I just want to be able to wind down and take things at that pace and ignore the woman me looking at him feeling stressed because he's not working fast enough and just make that blooming pancake at the speed that feels right to him and so that's it that's how i want to be i want to be that guy just chilling yeah nice i like that that's i think that's a really good uh metaphor in that story of again the slowing down process and doing things yeah. at your rate and not trying to keep up with everyone else mm. you know and it's a really strong message well yeah look thank you so much um thank you for blowing my <laughs> mind at, like the middle of the day on a, on a thursday thought about a lot of stuff yeah that's that's always the way with when you sit down and have a chat here that's what we do <laughs> we're trying to open up the mind um You've but before that. we before we sign out do you want to let people know where they can keep up to date with you online where they can check out your work the podcast which we didn't even get to talk about anything else no um so i have a podcast called honestly um which you can find on all good podcast providers which is where i have honest conversations about difficult subjects and the thought being that even the scary stuff once you start talking about it and normalizing it isn't that scary um i have a blog called mother of all lists which is a collection of like 350 first person stories about everything again all the hard stuff but just a, my key thing of that is that 
we walk down the street and we just assume everyone is having a great time. But what I've realized is that every single person is going through something hard or they've been through something hard. And once we know that it makes you function in a very different way. And then I am Clemmy underscore Telford on Instagram. And that's me. Amazing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. What star sign are you? Uh, do you know, I wanted to get onto this conversation. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> are you? Yeah. I don't know. I don't have, when's, when's your birthday then? November the 20th. Mm. But I'm, I'm also an, because you're, well, you're Pisces, aren't you? Mm. But I'm also a very interesting mix because I, my rising, my zodiac sign and my moon sign are all yeah. Scorpio. Whoa! Yeah, and, and my Mercury moon thing yeah. is in Scorpio as well. So I'm like all f- four of the main things, all Scorpio. So I'm like an intense triple triple threat scorpion. That, n- that never happened. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Like I was my my friend Momo, who I used to do some really wicked work with on on a BBC project. She's like super into like everything like spirituality astrology. and crystals and astrology, mm. and she does like numerology readings and stuff. And when we figured it out, she was like, "Oh my god!" Like yeah, what? that is insane. <laughs> she was like freaking out. <laughs> but it means that like well, hopefully. I'm- what it means is I'm as true as I can be. Like, you know, I'm yeah. always, I show up it's the good. same. Every, yeah. But it's also quite dark because like Scorpios are known to be like, you know, the worst sign because it's like deep and intense and like Yeah, but um, I feel like same, same as Pisces are like massive overthinkers and you just have to accept that that's how it is. And um, yeah, so you, accept it, right? So you must have just had your birthday then, right? Pisces is what, yeah. February? Yeah, end of Feb. Yeah. Yeah. Because my mum, your mum's a Pisces. She's so the, the thing about thing about Pisces, or what I have realised, is I have very unrealistic expectations. I have imagined ideas of what a birthday should be like, and they never ever live up to that. So I've flipped it, and now I set the bar very low and do nothing on my birthday, and then <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's always a good way. <laughs> always yeah. a good way. Low bar, very low bar. Yeah. I can't believe you're a triple like Scorpio, 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 Scorpio. It's crazy. I know. It's I so I, I know. I, I need to probably look into it, but I also don't want to because I might scare myself a bit. But yeah, that's like when people say, Do you want tarot? Which I am interested in doing tarot, yeah. but I, I can't, don't think I can quite handle it yet. Do you know what? It's actually quite interesting. I had I had a girl, um, I don't know if you, you might follow her or, or not, called Kalechi Okafor. She's like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so she, she came on the podcast like over a year ago, I think. And she, she's really into tarot. So she does like live tarot readings when she does her own podcast or radio show or something. Yeah, what's, yeah, she, what's it called? Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. She, and she had a yeah. deck with her. So we were like mid-conversation yeah, on the pod. It. And we were just, uh, we started talking about tarot. And she's like, oh, I've got a deck with me. And I was like, do you want to do a reading now? So we did like a live reading on the, it was really, it was really cool. It was really scary though. But, yeah. Was it? Did yeah, because it's... But there's like a certain certain amount of it where like, you know, you can take what you want yeah. from any of the cards. But yeah, the way that I kind of see things is like, I wouldn't say everything happens for a reason per se. Well, I do believe that. But I mean, like you, there's a re, there is a reason why I would have grabbed a certain card and I wouldn't have pulled a certain because maybe there's something from that card that I need to learn, you know? Mm, yeah. Three cards that I pulled out spoke to me very, very well, you know? Did they? And but that's what the cards are kind of designed to do. So it's kind of like yeah. take from it what you will. Yeah. But there is there is an element of like, why did I pick those three cards? I could have picked another three cards. You know, these yeah. ones are so like almost too specific. You Bang know? on. Really? Yeah. And oh. I did another one when I was traveling. I met this group of Israelis and one of them had this deck of cards. It was kind of similar to tarot cards. I can't remember exactly what they were called, but you only pick one and you basically there's this whole process where like they shuffle the cards and you split them. Then you like spread them all around the table and then you're supposed to like close your eyes and kind of like hover your hand like mm-hmm. over the card until you feel the right one. And then you grab it and you, you look at it and it's, it's the same sort of thing. It has a meaning and a, and a, and a teaching behind it. And that was really interesting because you, you're kind of, you, you're kind of like waiting until like that you feel the moment's right to put your hand down and pick up a card and there's like you know 50 of them or whatever yeah so it's like it's cool. you, was, the, what, it's cool. was that powerful did you get a good one yeah it was i can't remember exactly what the the teaching was to be honest but it, it was something to do with opening opening my mind or my heart or one of the two or both or something like that it was like a passing yeah. on of energy kind of like vibe i can't remember exactly what it was because the cards were all a bit i can they're all a bit because i started looking at all the cards after and start asking questions like what's yeah. this one mean? so i can't remember exactly which one i picked up 
but yeah it's cool you should definitely look into it you got the time to teach yourself to do it (laughs) i know do you know what that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna buy a tarot deck that could that could be a good thing to get into So there we have it. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Clemmy. I really, really love this conversation and, and to connect again with Clemmy was great. And, you know, the conversation went in so many different directions and, you know, I, just, I had to kind of leave that bonus bit in at the end as well because it was just so great. And, and, you know, we were talking off mic and then we were still recording. And I was like, Do you know what, this is going in because it's too good to leave out. So, you know, I really hope that you enjoyed it. And, and as I said at the start, you know, and if you like what you heard, then please be sure to leave a review and even better, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now so you get the latest episode straight to your phone and if you know someone who you think would benefit from hearing this episode be sure to send them the link or a screenshot because it's important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages in episodes like this and I started this podcast to help inspire a positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing the love with a friend as ever you can connect with me online on Instagram at I am Alex Manzi I'm always there. My DMs are always open. And especially in times like this, I'm more than happy to have conversations and chat to people and, you know, hear how people are coping with the isolation and fears and anxiety. So don't be afraid to hit me up and message me on I am Alex Manzi if that's, you know, something you want to do, even if you just want to say hey. So thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.